the altitude that I'm in this past week, we encouraged uh, each person to make a list. I, I said, okay, go ahead and make a list of everything you have that can be used for God. Make a list of everything you have that you could put into the hands of God and say, use this as you would. And so I think most people came up with about 15 things. And then since some of the people there were, were also had a spouse there, I told them to get together and now come up with double the list together. And so I was pushing them to see creatively, we have so much in our possession, so much that God has given to us, that sometimes we even fail to recognize all that we could be using to serve God. Obviously, things like homes or cars came up on the list. But then as we began to push, some people began to see, you know what? Actually, uh, being a recent immigrant to this country could be something that God uses. Being able to speak different languages, that could be something that God uses for his kingdom. So if you begin to keep pulling back creatively all that you are, all that you have, all of the experiences that God has given you to make you who you are today, there are, in fact, very many different ways that you could offer yourself and what you have to God and his kingdom. We've been, we've been seeing this, that you are the stewards of that gift, that you are the stewards of your life, and that the one that has given you this gift is the one who promises to come back. And we saw in three stories last week, Jesus told these three stories that encouraged us to see he is coming again. So as we're stewards of all we are, as we're stewards of all we have, we also know that the one that has given it to us is going to come back. And in those stories, the point is, are we using what we have well? Because the Lord, the Creator, will come back and and get to see how we've been using our lives. Are we preparing ourselves for this glorious return of Christ? Now, I also said that we would take the next few weeks to begin talking about where the rubber meets the road. How do you actually use what you have? What does that look like practically? Where does the rubber meet the road? I'm going to read Romans 12 now. And this is a wonderful example. Paul taking this spiritual, uh, this at times what feels like not practical, more abstract way of God, and he makes it very practical. He puts lots of daily living teeth upon this that we can chew. And this is what he says. This is from Romans 12, the letter he wrote to the, to the church that may have even already been in existence in Rome, and he's writing to them to say, uh, this is what it looks like when you're being a steward of the gift of your life. Starting in the first verse. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy to offer yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. That this is your spiritual act of worship. In fact, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. For then you will be able to test and to prove what God's will is. His good, his pleasing, and his perfect will. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather with sober judgment, think of yourselves in accordance 
with the measure of faith that God has given to you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, so in Christ we all belong to one another. We have different gifts. Different gifts according to the grace given to us. If your gift is preaching, let him preach. If it's prophesying, then prophesy in concordance with your faith. If it is service, serve. If it is teaching, teach. If it is encouraging, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, then lead diligently. If it is showing mercy, then do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. And honor one another above yourself. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. And practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless. Do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another and do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. And if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, you feed him. If he's thirsty, you give him something to drink. In doing so, you will be heaping burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but this word, this word that we find in Scripture, will endure forever. This is riddled with practical, where the rubber meets the road stuff. This is planting seeds in the ground seeing a plant pop up and taking fruit off of it that you can eat. This is getting your hands dirty in the soil. This is pulling the hose off of the spool and turning the valve so the water comes on and filling the water as it hits the ground. And you can see some of the mud and dirt come up on your legs a little bit. This is the work of going out and and having to get your, your hands into the weeds and pull them up. This is the work of looking out to make sure the birds aren't going to get your fruit. And so you have to go out there and set up the the ribbon and all that so that don't come or if you're my house, the squirrels don't come and take all the fruit off your tree before you have a chance to get to it. This is the very practical work of the Christian life. And so the gift of all you are, the gift of all you have is not something that we just think about here. It's actually something more importantly that then takes an effect upon what you do and how you live each and every day. Paul begins by saying, that our bodies are something we're to offer. Your soma, your body. 
He says, offer yourself, but the actual word there is offer your body as a living sacrifice. And then he says, this is your, your service. Your service is to offer your body. Remember that with the people of Israel, they had a, they had a very uh, well-detailed religion religious process where they would go into these services, these worship times, in which they would offer certain sacrifices, basically to pay for all the wrong that they had done before God. And to give thanks for all the things that God was doing in their life. And to give thanks for all the ways that he had helped them in the past and that he had promised would do in the future. And so they would do these services. Worship services. And you would go and you would have to offer something in these worship services. What Paul is saying now is that now, as Christians, as people who follow Christ, our service, our worship service itself, is in the offering of our bodies to the use of Christ. It is using the gift of all you are and all you have. It's using your ability as a steward to offer yourself as that living Sacrifice, Nothing that was going to be killed. But now, since you have already been risen with Christ in his death, in his resurrection, now you, you are to offer your living life, your living soma, your living body. All you are and all you have is now a living sacrifice. And that is your service. That is your worship service. If I say, if I asked you, let's say I took you out to coffee, tea, lunch, whatever. And I said, what, how do you worship God? You know what most people would respond to me? They would, they would talk about worship as singing songs. If I said, what do you do when you come to worship? You say, well, we sing. And we pray, and, and then we, we hear a sermon. But too often now, the response you get when you say, what is worship? The first thing you think of is songs. If you don't believe me, you can also just Google it. Google worship. See what happens. It's songs. It's worship songs. It's things like Hillsong. You'll get, you'll get all the top 100 bands today that are doing worship songs. But Paul has a corrective. And the corrective is that worship, your service now, isn't singing only. In fact, your service, the word in the Greek is latreia, your service is offering yourself, your body, your soma, as a living sacrifice. Now, part of the way we can offer ourselves well is coming together, gathering together and singing. Because song has the ability to unlock parts of our emotions, our will, that you can't do otherwise. So that's part of it. We offer songs. And that is also biblical. It says to sing songs, sing spiritual songs, lift them up to God. Old songs, new songs, psalms, the ones that we've just thought of today. We are to sing but that is not why we do it. We don't sing to just sing. We sing in order to offer our somas, offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. And what this looks like as we offer our somas are things like Paul just showed to us in this letter. Examples are teaching, hospitality, speaking spirit-led challenges, a.k.a. prophecy, giving, leadership, Showing mercy, being patient in affliction, mourning with those who mourn, rejoicing with those who rejoice, not taking revenge. These are the ways that we are to offer our bodies. So even when it might be the case that it would seem like 
it would be in our interest to do something like take revenge or protect ourselves and, and, and hit back. Instead, what Jesus is saying, that actually you're to use your body now as a living sacrifice to do things like not take revenge, to follow in the example that Christ Jesus has given to us. So I want you to think a little today about your gifts. And when we say gifts in the church, sometimes people think, oh, I don't know what my spiritual gift is. That sounds pretty lofty and heavenly. And either I'm kind of new to this Christian thing or I've been here long enough to know that um, there's other people that do this better than I do. I want to kind of dispel a myth today. Spiritual gifts can also just be if I said, what do you like to do? (laughs) What are you good at? Those are things that God has gifted you that could be based on your personality and how you've been created from birth. They could be things that you've developed over time, the experiences that God has given you, either in getting you prepared for, for being in the working environment. So I'll take Larson for an example. You know, he, uh, you're sitting in the front, so you get to be used to examples. Uh, he was able to go to school to learn a lot about computer stuff. That's really a technical way to say it, right? You know computer stuff, right? Yeah. You know computer stuff. And so now you have a gift. You've been given the, the ability to study for a long time, I'd imagine, uh, in order to now work with computers well. And so there are ways in which that gift can be used by God for the upbuilding of his kingdom through the church. Each of you, each and every one of you, has, been gone, has gone through experiences, has a personality, has things that you like to do, that can bless others, that can be good for others to experience, that can help grow the church. Colin, I remember the sermon you preached probably like a year and a half, two years ago now, and you used this great image of like holes and the people needing to be able, the people in the pews, us, need to be the ones that are willing to stand up and use what we have all together. Sometimes you know what you're good at by looking around. Let's just take an example. Think about your church. Think about Canoga Park Press. What to you is lacking? If you had to write down, let's say you had to write down the top three things that you would change about this church, the top three things that you know are lacking, that need help. If you wrote those three items down, those would probably be three ways, three areas that you're gifted because you're able to see where there is a need. And so you're able to see somewhere based on your past experience, based on your knowledge, based on your personality, based on what the Lord has given you, places where you naturally tend to see it could be better. Paul's challenge to us as he goes in, into, this, into this church in Rome is that each of you have these gifts. Each of you can look around and see where there might be a need. And he keeps pushing them. Okay, if it's prophecy, well then prophesy. If it's giving, give. If it's leadership, lead. If it's give, he goes through all of them and he's pushing them to say, great, you see the need or you have a gift or you have a certain personality type that could be good in a certain way to help others. Whatever it is for you, Paul is pushing them to understand your responsibility as a church is to offer these gifts to each other. It should be like an eternal Christmas or an eternal birthday party in the church where everybody's just always giving gifts to everybody based on who they are and what they have. That's what we are as a church. People the Holy Spirit has gifted 
and then you have the ability to offer it back. Now, this goes for people that are the Brandon Ryan age. How old are you? 13? Okay, this goes for 13-year-olds. What? Okay. This also goes for 93-year-olds. Everywhere in between. You're never too young to start using a gift. In fact, you might have seen him up here already today on the keyboard. Well done. Perfect sermon analogy. Thank you. Or 93. You're never too old to, to, you never need to stop using your gifts. There's always something that can be done. Even when you're in your getting in later in life, you can't maybe get here and nail anymore, but you can certainly pick up a phone and check in on people that are maybe you haven't seen in a while in worship. I know some of you already do that. That's using your abilities. That's using what God has given us in order to be a gift or to give someone else a gift in this church. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, so in view that God himself has already given you the ultimate gift of his body, now you're to offer your bodies as a spiritual, as a living sacrifice. This is what God wants from us. And in so doing, you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. So as you do this, the promise for you, if you're willing to, to offer yourself, offer your body in this way, to make a list of what you have and you are, like we've done in our LFG, and begin to pray, Lord, take it, use it. The promise on the back end of this is that then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. I know there are a lot of people here today that are trying to figure out what is next in life. I'm talking about the larger picture, right? Where am I going to work next? How am I going to change jobs next? Where am I going to live next? Am I going to move? Am I going to live here? Am I going to have more children? All of these, all of these big questions. Who am I going to marry? All of these big questions. God's promise to you. If you offer your body as a living sacrifice, giving the gift of, you, of, your, of yourself, giving the gift of what you have, what you can do to his service, to the church, you're going to be able to test and approve, test and approve what God's will is for you. You will understand better. God will come and say, okay, you're doing this well. You will then be able to understand confidently the next steps for your life. You'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. This is a springtime for us as a church. And as we continue to, to say clearly who we are and what we're about, we've had a few people that have, have come to faith here in our community in the past year and a half. There's about 10, 10 people now. So that's about 10% of our, of our worship gathering. My question from the other side of this is, as they are joining into your community of faith, they have absolutely no uh, model of what it means to be stewards of what we have and what we are. They have no model of that, right? So you all that have been here before they came, they know that you are a Christian. They know that you're walking in the way of Christ. And so they are watching you as models. They're watching you as, as what they're supposed to do with their life. 
So we have like the Sepitas and the Lidas and, and the Payams and the Paymans, right? We have, we have people that are coming into this community of faith. We have Shahram and we have Shiva, right? People that are coming into a community of faith. And, and what are their examples? They see a Larson, they see a Bhagashri, they see a Deborah, a John, a Diane, a Don. They're seeing us as what it means to be good stewards of all that you are and all that you have. And what are they learning from us? What are they learning from you about how to use your life? I mean, these are people that are starting from, from the very first steps. And you know how important that first impression is as you look at something and be, you begin to form your imagination of what it means to be a Christian. Right now is an important time for each of us that have been on this journey to show them well what it means why am I saying this? Because the church has been in existence now for how long? Closing in on 65 years, I think. And many people here have been a Christian for 65 years. Some of us are not quite that old yet, and so it's been closer to 35 years or whatever it might be. And, and as this church keeps going and it goes through a roller coaster ride of ups and downs, at times it feels like we just need to coast. The pastor will keep pushing from behind as much as he can, Leaders here and there will pick up and begin to pull from the front, and it keeps us moving. And all in all, most people here can just kind of sit in their cart and, and do the small thing that they do to keep the church moving. This is a springtime in the church. There are people literally coming to faith right now. And I don't want them to capture a vision of sit in the car as it goes up and down. I want them to capture a vision of a church where every single person understands the stewardship quality of their faith, that they understand themselves to be a gift, like a big package wrapped up with bows and ribbon. And each morning you rip that package open, and you are the one that gets to use who you are, and that gets to use all that you have, your personality, your experience, your cars, whatever it might be, to serve Christ and to serve his kingdom. And so for anyone that comes new into the church now, Lita, Sepida, Payam, Paymon, Shiva, Hashem, everyone. Now, you also have, you have the responsibility to show them what it looks like to be a steward of your Christian life. Now you join with the rest of the church to be examples of what it means to use your body, your soma, sacrificially, so others understand the sacrifice of Christ. Because ultimately, that's what it's all about. As you turn into a true human by sacrificing in love for other people, people will better understand and come to understand Jesus Christ is real. That this sacrifice that he made is the ultimate, is the ultimate gift that one human could ever do for another. I'm going to pray for you as we close today that each of us would take on this challenge this stewardship. We would read these lists that Paul says where the rubber meets the road, and that you would use your soma, use your body, use your life in the blessing of others through, through the ministry of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord our God, I pray that you would give each of us a vision, a holy vision for where we can be serving you through it, the church where we can plug in and offer our soma, offer our body, offer the gift of all we are and all we have so that others might come to know you. 
so that others could know the peace and hope and joy of Christ. If we've been here for 60 years, if we've been here for six months, my prayer is that you'll give us that vision, a vision of good stewardship, the gift of our life. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.